excited about the uh, new website. We've been working on it for quite a while. I, I haven't been working on it. Uh, Moses and Richard and I think uh, Mike has been working on this for a while. It uh, looks good. I like, I like how it's a lot more intuitive. It works easier, I think, uh, to do a lot of things. And uh, this week, so we're hot, we highlight somebody every week. This is Christy. Um, she does lots of stuff. Uh, one of the most important things that we want you to be able to connect with her with is she's in charge of life groups. So if you ever want to uh, be involved in a life group or when you start a life group or something like that, um, you can always email the uh, church office or if you um, see her, you can go talk to her yourself. Uh, something also I wanted to show us this morning, um, we're, we're showing this in, in all three of our services, uh, we have a, a testimony from uh, Kathy here that uh, a few weeks ago God really touched her, and then we, I want to I want to talk about this because I think uh, miracles are supposed to be, according to Scripture, should be a, uh, something that happens regularly in our world, in our existence, and in our church. So let's let's watch this. Mr. Scott Bottoms was uh, was talking through the communion, talking about, you know, that this is actually a good time during communion to pray for healing. And I was very surprised by that. I thought, really, that's something new and different I hadn't heard before. So I was like, usually I'm just praying, praying, but not praying for myself in particular or anything. And so um, as I had my foot ankle in a boot that day, um, five months of um, an old Achilles tear uh, was coming back to haunt me and for about five months of swelling and pain and nothing was making it go away. And I was praying for that. But um, that day, it, it just hit me just right. And uh, I started praying during the communion. And my focus just was like a laser target on my ankle. And then um, while I was praying, it was the weirdest feeling around my ankle I have ever felt. It was kind of like it wasn't in my body, but it was external enveloping my ankle around. And the only way I could describe it was a kind of, it, kind of like you would describe a a warmth and a tingling but it was different and I've never felt anything like that before but it, it was very exciting at the moment I'm going what's going on <laughs> right now and I uh, I so you know I finished my prayer and and left church and went along my way and kept it to myself and when I went home I took the boot off and started walking around and I had no pain anymore and then I thought, well, I'm not telling anybody because what if it comes back right away? <laughs> and it didn't. And day after day, it's been um, more than half a week. And um, the pain in that ankle has not come back. And I'm very excited about it. I have prayed for my health a lot. I, I have a variety of other issues. And I, I've prayed. And I've had others pray for me, and I, I have gotten discouraged because, um, you know, we want it now. <laughs> and I've seen miracles, so I was, I was looking forward to mine. And um, so I have had my moment, and um, I, I know it's real, and I want you to know that you need to keep, keep plugging away, keep praying, keep having other people pray for you. And don't give up because God comes through and miracles happen. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so this is part of the reason we have prayer partners during worship also, is that uh, this, this should be uh, part of the, our thinking when it comes to, to service. What do we do as a body? Uh, we believe, trust, and we pray for each other, these kind of things. So Kathy and I were talking about this yesterday, and I was sharing a, a story with her because she says something I think pretty important in, uh, in this when it comes to how we look at this and how our faith looks. She said, I don't want to tell anybody in case uh, the pain comes back. Okay? You've, you felt like that, right? 
So, so here is, uh, I, I was telling her this story yesterday. Years ago, I was youth pastor at the time, and, um, and I had a kidney stone, and I went to the hospital with a kidney stone, and, and the doctors took an x-ray of it and said, it's too big to move. Uh, we're going to have to do the, the supersonic ray gun or whatever it is it is. And, and uh, so it would smash it up, and it would, then I could pass the stone. Okay, so... I'm laying there that night. They're going to do this in the morning. I'm laying there in the night and um, praying about this and just very strongly felt like God healed me and then, and then and just confirms this deep in my spirit. I've healed you. And part of the reason, I think, any time, but I was very uh, specifically, um, the Lord just kind of spoke to me about this, is to make sure, tell the doctor, tell the doctors, nurses, tell everybody. So I did. I, you know, <laughs> came in and changed the trash that night. Hey, what? Well, guess what? You know, and um, so I, I'm telling him the doctor. The doctor comes in the next morning and says, "Okay, we're going to take you to the procedure here pretty soon. Before we do that, we're going to go get another X-ray, um, just to make sure exactly where the stone is." And I said, "Doctor, I want you, I want you to know." I said, "This may sound strange to you, but I felt like God um, touched me last night and healed me, took the stone away." And he said, "Well, okay, we're going to, you know." It was one of those, okay, um, <clears throat> you know, but we're going to go ahead and send you down to get an x-ray, and then we're going to go to the procedure. Okay, all right. So even the, the, the guy that's rolling me down to radiology, I'm telling him about this. He's like, okay. Um, he seemed actually a little bit more interested. And uh, so he takes the x-rays. You know, I'm sitting there waiting, and he comes back and says, can we get just a couple more, um, you know, a different angle, whatever. And I said, it's because there's no stone. He goes, I'm not the one who reads the x-rays. I just take them. And I said, why are you taking a couple more? It's because it's not there. Huh? So, so he does. He takes a couple more x-rays, and, and, he's putting, and he's rolling me back. We're talking, going down the hall. And I said, look, I said, I'm not asking you to make a, a, some kind of diagnosis here. I'm telling you, I know God healed me, and there's no stone there. That's why you had to take a couple x-rays. He says, yeah, that's, we don't, I don't know where the stone is. And uh, so I get back to the doctors. Doctors are looking at this, and they come to me. Um, it appears that this, this is exactly what they said. It appears that the stone is hiding behind something. And I said, in my kidney? Isn't that what x-rays do? They look through stuff? And they said, yeah, we don't know what happened. I said, guys, I said, I'm not trying to just verbalize something here. I know God healed me, and there's no stone. They said, well, we don't know where the stone is. We know you couldn't have passed it. And, then, and they actually, there's like a strainer in the bathroom, you know, and they, you know, the nurse is down in there, you know. <clears throat> and um, and I, I told him, I said, look, I'm just telling you, God healed me, told me to tell you because I think it's going to make a difference in you somehow. I said, I really do believe that Jesus is real, and you know, so I use it as a witnessing moment. Okay. So then I, I was going to be part of a uh, Royal Ranger, a boys camping trip out of our church that night. And, uh, and so I, the doctor said, well, you know, stay close by if the stone moves. I said, what stone? Where is it moving? I said, well, if it moves, come back to the hospital. Uh, I said, okay. And I said, but I'm going on a camping trip. He said, you should not do that. You need to be close to a hospital. And uh, so I went on the camping trip. And here's what happened. And this is, this is why I'm saying all of this. This is, this is why Kathy and I were talking about this yesterday. Middle of the night, I get up to go to the bathroom. I go out into the dark woods, and I start hurting again. And I thought, wait a second. I know God healed me. I know what he told me. I saw the x-ray myself. The x-ray tech saw it. The doctor, they all said there's no stone. But I'm starting to hurt again. And it just clicked in my head because I have, I have talked about that. I've preached about this before. It clicked in my head. Satan will try to lie to you about what God is doing or has done. This is what 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, 5, right in there, are talking about. Is that Satan doesn't attack you with normal weapons. He attacks your mind and your knowledge of God, and let me add, and what God has done. And so right there in the woods, I just start praying, okay, God, then I take authority over this. Satan, you cannot convince me that I wasn't healed. I saw it. I saw it. I know I'm healed. I did not have the pain. Immediately the pain went back away and I didn't hurt anymore. And I know that Satan was trying to rob me of that 
at that particular moment. Guys, you, you can stand on what God has said. You can stand on his word and you can stand on what you have experienced. But Satan will try to rob that from you. It's a guarantee. So I do want to thank Kathy for, for um, making the video and showing this to us. Guys, this needs to be normal around here. This needs to be every, all the time, every week, what God is doing, right? Um, also, last week we did uh, do our commitment to the uh, building stuff. We're going to be starting that. Hopefully in April we're going to be looking at our financing and stuff at that point, and then we will we'll build the building. And uh, we'll let you know all that kind of stuff as it, as it comes along. But we, we were getting all the commitments in last week. It's looking really good. I'm excited about this. I'll tell you about them in a couple of weeks. Um, but if you still haven't had the chance, grab these out of the front of the pew. Fill it out. How much, how much will you commit to say, and let's get this building built? Um, this is exciting. I'm, the closer we get to this, the more I'm, I'm seeing and realizing what we're doing. And out in the foyer, on, there's a TV that's showing our building uh, promotional stuff. There's also a touch screen that you can go and tour the building. If you need help with that, just grab one of the staff or something um, that's happening around here. All right. I'm going to jump straight into this. I'm not going to um, uh, do all the, the uh, political stuff. I will say this. Um, please be praying. The, the uh, Democrats have made it very clear that they're not going to go by the Constitution. They're not going to go by the rules. Uh, the uh, governor did uh, file to dismiss my lawsuit. The uh, lawsuit um, it will, is going to be dismissed because it was directly tied to the bill. But they are, they are censoring our, our right to speech. They're doing a lot of things. This has never happened in the, in the history of the House like this. And they are stopping us. They changed the rules. And since they have two-thirds, they have the votes to do it. They literally changed the rules to make it more difficult for us as Republicans to speak. That is not ethical. It's not constitutional. But they don't care. They're waiting for lawsuits to stop them. That's the only thing that can stop them now is lawsuits. And so just be praying for us. It is frustrating to go in there, but it also just kind of gives me a, almost a laissez-faire kind of mentality. Um, we're going to be having a bill come up. I guess I am going to talk about this a little bit. We, uh, we're going to have a bill coming up that is, that is saying that, that uh, people in prison and when they get out of prison... They can change their names or gender and all this kind of stuff, which basically um, hides their, their criminal record. Specifically, sexual predators, the bill is named after a sexual predator that has been convicted multiple times. And the bill that is being put forward is positively speaking about this person. And, um, and so I'm going, to, I'm going to speak about this, and I am going to use him and he, when I'm talking about him and he. Um, they're also trying to do the same thing, guys, in the schools. They're trying to say students can change their name, their gender, do whatever the case is, and the schools have to change the records and not tell the parents and, um, and call the kid whatever the kid wants to be called. Now, you, you show me one 14-year-old boy that is not going to use this for every in inch that he can get away with. He can be changing his name every single day, all day long. This is, this is what... This is what kids do when there are dumb adults in the room. This is what they do. And so the day that I testify on this, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to change my name every time I say something. <laughs> and what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, okay, now you have to refer to me because this is their rules. I, don't, I think these are stupid rules, but these are their rules. And I'm going to say instead of Representative Bottoms, my name is now going to be something like Representative January 6th was not an insurrection. You know, those kind of things. Just to, see, just to see what they're made of and how far they will take this stupidity. All right, so we're continuing with this series, All In. Guys, this is important for us. <clears throat> oh, and I am taking suggestions for more names. <clears throat> but but, but um, this, is a, this is an important series for us to saying, who, we are, who are we as a church? What does it mean? The title of the series is All In. What does that mean? What does it mean to you to be all in? What does it mean for me? Oh, I did want to mention, I almost forgot this. This is um, important. Uh, one of the, the um, gentlemen that used to be in our church here, in fact, he was part of Radiant Church when this church was planted, came here as part of this. Um, he was also a senator. He was a representative. He was city councilman. Um, Keith King, he just passed away um, yesterday, and I, was, I actually had... I was at a political thing, and I got to announce that to a lot of people in, in um, El Paso County that knew him 
as the political person, not the guy that went to Briargate or Radiant or whatever. And uh, so we'll let you know, keep you updated. Be, please be praying for the family, for Sandy. Um, we'll keep you updated as when the service times are and those kind of things as it comes along. Maybe an email sent out, depending on how fast it, it happens or whatever the case is. But we'll let you know. We'll let you know. He was a greatly respected man. He's a great man, good, solid uh, man of God. And it's one of those things where he, 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 his absence leaves gaping holes in many, many places. He also started Colorado um, Early Colleges. It was, that's the correct name, Colorado Early Colleges. I mean, he did a, a bunch of stuff. And so, um, so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. So this, um, this uh, all-in, I'm going to talk to us this morning about uh, God's will and God's voice and what does it mean to be all-in. And, and, and not just, uh, we're going to try to look at how do you hear God's voice? I think that's important. That's one of the most common questions I ever get. How do you, how do you know if God's speaking to you? How do you know what God's voice sounds like? All this. Uh, how do you know God's will? That's really part of the same subject, right? Um, but the all-in mentality is, because I, I, I think sometimes we don't think God speaks to us or we don't think he wants to. And I think he's trying to speak to all of us all the time. I think scripture shows that over and over. Um, sometimes we don't know what it sounds, what his voice sounds like, and so we don't hear him. Sometimes um, we, we uh, are hearing him, but we're not doing what he says, and that's just as important. So we're going to look at that too this morning. Not just do we hear God's voice, but then do what he says. Um, that's, I think that's part of the reason. And, and here's what I found in my own life. When I, when I had this revelation, this was quite a few years ago, when I had this revelation, it kind of woke me up, and it was, it was um, a horrible moment to realize this was happening. I believe that when, when God is telling you to do something, God is speaking to you, he's, he's guiding you. If you don't do that, I think you kind of go in a holding pattern until you get that right, until you, until you do what he says, and you get that understanding balanced out, and then you can go move forward to the next thing. God is not just going to move you to the next thing unless you've been obedient to him, Right? Well, that's not the, we don't like to think like that in American Christianity. We, we like to think that he's, he's just going to do, he's just going to, you know, the next thing and next thing and next thing. And then we use terms like um, God's uh, permissive will and all these things. And that stuff's not really in Scripture. We, it's, it's how we look at it. It is the way we appropriate it, and it's culturally appropriated and can be done, I guess. But God has a plan for you, and he wants that plan to happen. You say, well, if I missed it 30 years ago, God's big enough to institute it right now today. God's, if he can create the whole universe, he can put your life where he needs it to be. But you have to submit to him. So we're going to look at this, all right? So going back to who we are as a church. Church of Briargate exists to enable people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to supernaturally draw close to Jesus Christ and to bring as many others along as possible. So knowing God's will, hearing his voice to know his will, this has got to be part of the subject. If we don't know how to listen to God, if we don't know what he's saying to us, how will we um, draw close to him? Supernaturally, because in other words, it's not a natural thing. We don't naturally draw close to the Lord. It has to be a Holy Spirit thing. And so how does that happen? Um, we have to hear God's voice. So uh, that would be the first question. How do you hear God's voice? I, I do believe this is different for every person. I don't think, it's, I don't think there's one answer. I think there are some foundations. We're going to look at those. That, that gets you in the right mindset, gets you in the right place. But I can't tell you what God's voice sounds like to you. I think it's different for everybody. We see this through Scripture. God spoke to everybody differently. Um, sometimes in, in person, sometimes through angels. And, and I'm going to go over some of this, but just a lot of different ways. God spoke audibly to people uh, in the Old Testament quite often. I don't think he does that as much now, but I don't think you can take it off the table and say he doesn't. Uh, we've got to, we've got to make these decisions based on Scripture, not just what we think, right? What does Scripture say about this? And so what is God's will for your life? Do you know that? There's, there's big picture will. There's small picture, right? There's, there's pieces along the way. Sometimes it's, um, it's incremental stuff. Sometimes it's major things. You know, when, when we have missionaries stand up here and say, God told us to go to Turkey, that's, that's, a, big, that's a big subject, Right? Um, what does that mean? How, how do you know that God has said something like that? How do you, how do you determine that? Uh, it's going to be unique to you uh, compared to somebody sitting right next to you. Then you bring in like couples, families, that kind of thing. Married couples, 
God's, there's the will for them as a couple, but then there's also individualistic things that is unique to the person uh, with that. that now, now, there's some, there's some um, disclaimers here. If God is speaking to somebody in a married couple and it is completely in conflict with the other person, something's not right. Okay? Uh, I've, had, I've had people say, well, God told me to go to be a missionary in Africa, and the other person says, well, God told me to move to Detroit. You know, I, somewhere you're going to have to listen to God. Somewhere you're going to have to get together and talk about this together with God because not, God's not going to send you different directions doing different things. He doesn't say you are now one, but you're going to live two separate lives. That is not how God works. That's very clear through Scripture. Okay? Um, so, how, how, how does God speak to us? What is God's will? So, I do believe God is trying to speak to us all the time. Um, I don't think we uh, hear most of what he's saying because I don't... First, first uh, we're humans, right? But, but that's not... We can only use that so much until it becomes an excuse. But I think we, we have to learn. We have to be focused in. I also don't think that every single moment, like you, like you pour a bowl of alphabets and God speaks to you in the alphabets, I don't necessarily think that's... I don't think it's about every little thing for every little day. I think it's big picture stuff, and he's guiding and leading. He's preparing the path, and you're walking the path. Okay? So there's a balance between all of this. Um, he does want us to all walk together deeper. Um, with him. I'm saying walk with him together deeper uh, and also us as a body. So there are certain things that when it comes to speaking, we know that God has spoke to all of us. Serve Jesus. He spoke to all of us. Um, Draw closer to him. Get in his word. All these things. These are things that he speaks to all of us all the time. Now this is important because when we're not listening to that and we're we're kind of um, uh, rejecting the Holy Spirit speaking to us on all the daily stuff, it makes it more difficult to hear him on the bigger stuff because we're developing a pattern of not listening, not being obedient, right? I think we kind of understand this intuitively. We've got to be learning and listening and, and obeying on a regular basis. When we're choosing things that are unhealthy for our spiritual walk, that means we're rejecting the Holy Spirit's conviction in our life, which means we're getting into a pattern of not listening instead of listening. You have to tune your spirit, your ears to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Well, one of the ways, and I'm going to look at this, is through obedience, through submission, humility, surrender, all this kind of stuff, okay? So the first thing, I want to start with this scripture, just because for me this is like the big one where I, I can't wrap my mind around this sometimes. Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham. He's, he's, his name's not Abraham yet. And the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. He didn't say go to Canaan, oh, that's where he ends up, but he doesn't say go north, northeast at this degree for, you know, 27 days. He literally says here, go to the land that I will show you. You start walking, I'll catch up with you later. It's literally that kind of thing. Guys, that's a faith thing that is, man, that's challenging. I think that's challenging for any of us to say, I'm just going to pack everything. That for, so for today, this would be it, Right? I'm going to pack up the U-Haul, going to get everything together, and we're, I'm just going to start driving. Right. Where? Head that direction. I'll tell you when you get there. I don't, I don't know if I could do that. Just go and I'll let you know. But this is literally what he is saying to Abraham. I'll show you when you get there. Because this is a major faith thing. This is listening to God. And I don't know how God said it to him to say it audibly. What about through the, through the journey? Did God give him some things along the way? Like, no, don't turn left here. Right? Or if you're like my GPS, please make a U-turn at the nearest possible moment. <clears throat> my, my GPS coming from my house is wrong all the time. If I'm going to go downtown, it tells me to go all the way out to Woodman and out to 25. It's dumb. I don't do it. I go my way until it goes, all right, we'll take your way. And then it, so. But, but how, I mean, how do you get to that point? How do you, how do you know which, you've got all these animals, all these people, and you're just walking, and God's going to show you. 
Because that's, that's listening to God. And then when he gets there, God says, here it is. And he goes, okay. That's listening to God. That's following God's will. Because that is, that is top shelf difficult. But here's the thing is we have to hear God's voice too. And we have to know his will. And sometimes it can be that same kind of difficulty level for us. Now, there's a bunch of reasons, and I'm going to try to help us, that will make it easier, make it more possible to listen to God and get to the right information. Okay? So, um, let me finish this out. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous. And you will bless, uh, be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And by the way, I think that context still applies all through Scripture because I, this is the beginning of what we would consider the, the Israelite people. And um, although that's not accurate either, but, but that's the Abrahamic covenant is the beginning of this thing. And so I think all through Scripture where we see where it says the people of Israel, if you bless them, he'll bless you. You curse him, God will curse you. Guys, we have to make sure that we're on the right side of this in history. I'm saying spiritually. The stuff with Hamas and all this other, this, this stupidity where they keep saying, well, let's stop, make them stop, ceasefire, ceasefire. The only reason Hamas is asking for a ceasefire is so that they can reform to attack again. That's the only reason. Okay? And, and you say, well, what about all the things? Yes, I'm not saying any people group is perfect, but they are chosen, and we have to be careful that we're on that right side. Okay? That was free. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, all the families on the earth would be blessed through you. So, so I want to show you a little, uh, little clip from a movie here. And the reason is because when I think of faith, this is actually one of the things. That I don't actually process uh, from a point of view of Scripture first. This is the image that pops in my head. I saw this when I was young. Um, this is a movie. And when I saw this, I'm like, that's faith. That's faith. So this is, um, this is from Raiders of the Lost Ark 3. And uh, this is a great moment of faith. Impossible. Nobody can jump this. Ah! Indy! And you must hurry! I think there's these moments when you, you really have, that, you have to have that kind of thinking, that kind of faith, where it doesn't make sense. God is saying, do this, and you're like, I don't think that makes sense, right? But you know God is speaking. You know he is trying to do something. You know he is leading, he's guiding, all these different things, but it does not make sense in the natural. The, the, the American church has embraced the it's got to make sense mentality way too much. Why use terms like faith if we're going to be able to rationalize everything? And you guys know me well enough to know I'm very analytical, I'm very rational thinking. It's how I process. But, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Scripture tells us this. So somewhere there has to be this, this I'm going to step out here. I don't know, God, are you saying this? And then you just, you trust God and you do. And, and I think most of us, if not every one of us in this room, have examples of that when we've had to do that, specifically been a Christian any length of time. You're, you're going to have these moments where you have to say, okay, this doesn't make sense. It does not make sense, but I'm going to do this. So number one, ways God speaks. And today, um, we, we see where he primarily speaks through Scripture, Okay. There's a handful of scriptures that talk about this. 
that he primarily speaks through Scripture, but that doesn't mean he does not speak in any other way. Okay? If there is a, if there is a precedence for this in Scripture, I, I believe that there's a lot of things in Scripture that we say, okay, it was... So these are some theological terms, but I'll explain it. That in, in, um, at different times in Scripture, if this happened, okay, it was normal then, but is it normative now? In other words, does it still happen today, right? Um, I believe there's a lot more things that are normative today that, that most of the church has just disregarded because it doesn't fit within our modern age of reasoning and scientific analysts and all this kind of stuff, right? But at the end of the day, guys, this is a faith thing. You're believing that a guy that walked on this earth was God in human flesh, Let's start with that doesn't make sense. Okay, everything after that, you, if you can embrace that with, by faith, then you can get to some of the other things, I think, quicker. The, the concept of Jesus as deity, that's a big one. And it does not make rational or scientific sense. So, something like Jesus can guide and lead us, well, that shouldn't make sense either. Sometimes it just purely is faith has no rational basis to it, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true. These are the two big things. Teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, to teach us truth and to convict us. If you don't start with that, I'm, I'm saying specifically in the context of God speaking to you, if you don't start with this, you don't have the right foundation. God's word is the foundation, and it is to teach us truth. There is such a thing as absolute truth, and it comes from God, and it's in God's word. So absolute truth is the starting point. And also, the word of God, because it's absolute truth, and you and I are limited human beings, then it will also convict us as it is, as it is revealing truth. Because we're not always right. Most of the time we're not right, and we need to be convicted and brought back into line with God's Word. So, so he's, God's Word is truth, and it is to convict us. That's the starting point for God speaking to us. If we don't have that as our starting point, then, and this is where we are as a society today, if your starting point is you make the decision because ultimately your opinion about you and others is the only thing that matters, if everything is relative and you get to choose everything, then choosing your gender makes sense. If, it's, if you're God over your world, and there is no absolute truth anywhere, then you can choose whatever gender. You can choose anything you want to under any circumstances. It makes sense in society that has taken away the reality of absolute truth that comes from God, not from us. You and I are not the truth speakers the closest we can get to that is when we are speaking God's word, we are truth speakers. You, I, do not have the ability to create truth. It doesn't happen. But if you believe that you can, then, and, and, he, and this is vitally important, then God can even speak to you, quote unquote, it's not really God. If you're God, then why do you need God to speak to you? But you can be spoken to about something, because it doesn't matter. It's arbitrary. It can come from the, the wind in the trees. It doesn't matter because uh, it's not built upon the absolute truth of God. Right? I, some of you guys are not going to have a clue about this. There was this com comedic group called the Smothers Brothers years ago. They were one of my favorite when I was a little kid. Little, little kid because they predated me. But uh, they had this little skit where they talked about one of them is in tune with nature and this, the trees are speaking to him. And his brother kept saying, Trees don't speak. Well, yeah, but the, 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 when the leaves, they speak to me. The trees don't speak. And they do this little comedy thing. And I've always thought about that as we can actually get our information from trees if you don't have your foundation in God's Word. Why not, you, why not let trees be the absolute authority in your life? Why not let the, the wind be the absolute authority in your life? Right? Why don't you let some shaman in some other religious cult mentality be the speaker in your life? If God's word is the foundation and everything comes from that, then God can use a lot of different things to speak to us, but it has to start with God's word. If it doesn't start with God's word, God's word, something is wrong. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, 
God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Son is the word. Jesus is the word. He is the logos. And God speaks to us through his word, through Jesus Christ, while Jesus is on the earth. And then he speaks to us through the written word after Jesus um, uh, died and is resurrected, right? So we have the word of God, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't speak to us through prophets still, or prophecy, I would say. We still have prophecy. Um, Peter gets up in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and quotes, and he said, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you're seeing, they're, they're speaking in tongues, they're speaking in uh, languages of the earth. Tongues, unknown languages is what I mean. Heavenly languages, earthly languages, all this stuff. And, and Peter gets up and says, um, this is what pro- uh, Joel, the prophet, prophesied about. He says, in the last days, and he includes some things, but one of the things is, um, you will have dreams and visions. Well, that's not really part of an American church thought process. It's very common in other places around the world. It's a little bit in America, but we kind of resist that kind of stuff. You know, and, and, and I believe this very, very strongly, but when somebody comes up and says, I had a dream, my first thought is, eh. You know, that's literally what I'm thinking. I don't know. What is, is this legitimate? I don't What dream is this about? You know, I want to start asking questions like, what did you eat the night before? Stuff like that. Right? Because my natural human instinct says, I don't know about this. But it's actually biblical. The Bible says I'll have dreams and visions. It says we'll have the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Gifts of, of, um, of uh, prophecy, of words of knowledge, words of wisdom, these kind of things. We're going to have the verbal gifts as part of our, our context. We need this a lot more around here, by the way. But, we, but this, is, this is part of our, our understanding of how God speaks to us. But it has to start with the Word of God. If, if somebody comes to you and says something and disagrees with the Word of God, they are wrong. That's how simple that is. They're wrong. Okay? Does God speak to us? Personally, yes. But it has to match up with the Word of God. It can't be in, in, um, in um, disconnect with the Word of God. I, I'll give you an example. I've given this before. This lady came to me years ago. She was, she was actually... Uh, the daughter of my administrative assistant, and she'd, she'd been married, I think this was her uh, fourth husband, fifth husband, it's somewhere in there. I, it's somewhere in that number. She got to many more, but it was somewhere right in this number. And she came to me and said, I think I'm supposed to marry this guy, so-and-so in the church, a new guy in the church. I was like, I don't think God's speaking to you about that. She said, why? I said, because he's married to somebody else. That was an easy one for me. Okay. I was a young youth pastor, but that one was easy. I just stepped right on out that limb about that far and said, no, God's not speaking to you. Guys, this is where we have to say, does it match up with Scripture? Right? Okay. He says, now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as inheritance, and through the son he created the universe. So I wrote down some things about how God... Uh, speaks to people through the Bible. I believe these are just as applicable today. I don't necessarily think they're as um, common. Some of them, some of them are. But uh, these are some of the things. God spoke to people through thunder, through a whisper, through visions, through dreams. He spoke to them audibly. Speaks to them through peace. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. Speaks to them through weather, through a donkey, through fire, through a cloud, through bush. Uh, not, Not the person. Uh, uh, speaks to them through a through shrubbery. That's what I mean. Signs, people, discipline. God speaks to us through discipline in us, through circumstances, good and bad, right? Nature, and the only thing that's off the table so far that I can tell from Scripture in nature is what the flood. God's not going to flood the earth anymore. He's promised us that. Then He gives us a rainbow to to prove that, right? So, um, I, I, I think God can speak to you through any of those things, but here's something else. God, um, you can also spin anything you want towards your direction. And that's where you have to be careful that your ego is not involved, that you, that you truly humbled yourself before God. So let's, so let's look at that, okay? Holiness and submission directly connected to knowing God's will. And this is where we, this is where we, we struggle some 
and I'm saying in the general American church mentality, is we don't want to actually submit to God, but we want God to say nice things to us. Right? We want him to, to, um, to support whatever we're doing. This, this is, I think this is probably as common as anything else. We'll do something and then just ask God to bless it. Well, we don't see that context. In fact, there's a couple times, specifically in the Old Testament, when they ask that and God says, no, that's not the way I work. Okay? So, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. When he says brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians. This is important. As Christians, we've got to make sure that our hearts are right with God at all times that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other. This is accountability. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. In other words, as Christians, we have the potential to um, uh, have the wrong heart, walk in sin, and having our hearts hardened against God. And this is why we need to constantly be focusing on this and having other people in our life that will speak to us about this, the accountability. Because you have the potential for this, I have the potential for this. This is, why, this is one of the reasons we come to church on a regular basis and, and listen to sermons that I make us all feel bad about. Is because we're, we're trying to make sure, wait a second, am I, is there something I'm doing wrong? This is why I think if, you, if you're constantly um, listening to, or well, you, if you're going here, it doesn't apply, but if you're constantly listening to preachers that everything is good and positive and God just wants us all to hug each other and get along and just be happy in the Lord, if that's the case, you need to rethink this because that's not very much of the Bible. Go through the Bible and look at what God is saying. He's constantly saying, look, guys, stop doing this. Change what you're thinking. Do this. Well, if that's not part of the, your Bible study on a regular basis, if that's not part of some kind of context, somewhere you're, you're, um, you're fluffing yourself up, and that'll hurt you long term. Okay? You've got to eat your vegetables too. Right? Something like, I love vegetables. There's something wrong with you. <clears throat> you must warn each other every day while it is still today. Verse 14, for if we are faithful to the end... Trust in God just as firmly as when we first believed. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Verse 15, and he's quoting the Old Testament here. He says, remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, I believe God wants to speak to you today. He wants to speak to you Monday, Tuesday. He wants to speak to you every day. And, and I believe as we're learning to walk with him, he's, he's, he's guiding and, and speaking and leading constantly throughout the day. It's not a... Um, Thus saith the Lord, the heavens open and the voice kind of thing. It's that you are walking the path because you're in his word, you're submitted to him, and you're listening in order to be obedient. And so you're just kind of sensing and feeling this direction and leading all the time. It says, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. In other words, he is speaking to us, expecting there to be uh, reaction, results, response. He's not just speaking so that we know information. This has been one of the things since I was a little kid in church. I've watched this where we, we, we fall into the trap in the church too easily of just allowing the information that is coming to us to just be information in our mind, and it doesn't translate into response. Because there should be a response in our walk with the Lord. Don't harden your hearts and rebel when the Lord tells you to do something, when he tells you to be something, when he tells you to go somewhere, when he tells you to, to act this way at work and pray for people or do this. Listen to what he's saying, but then you've got to do it. Just hearing his voice isn't obedience. It's doing what he has told us to do in the process. Romans 12, verse 1. This is one of the, the most distinct places in Scripture that it says this is how you know God's will. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, this is your physical bodies, 
This, this was kind of important at the time when, when uh, Paul was writing this because there was, a, there was a concept that there was a disconnect between the spirit of who we are and the physicalness of who we are. Our physical body, we could do whatever we want. We could sin, we could do whatever we want as long as spiritually we were right with God. Does that sound kind of familiar today? The church kind of embraces this today. But here's the thing. You can't separate your physical from your emotional or your spiritual. It's an impossibility. So Paul specifically says here, I plead with you, I beg you, give your bodies to Christ. Give your existence completely to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice. A living, holy, dead thing. Walking dead people. Dead to what? Dead to us, dead to self, dead to the world, to the things of the world. Living in Christ and dead to the things that are, that are opposite of who Jesus is. This is very intentional type of thinking. Do you do, you, do you do this? Do you become a living sacrifice? Lord, my life is yours. It is sacrificed to you. You get to do what you want with it. I am following you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I've had this, this um, conversation with many different worship pastors and people over the years. Is, is worshiping, what we do on this stage is a very small part of worshiping. That's the verbal singing um, as a corporate. And it's necessary, it's vital, but it's a small part. But becoming a living sacrifice is really worshiping. This is what he's saying. This is true worship. So then when we get together as a body and we begin to sing about the things of Christ, it becomes anointed and energized. Why? Because we're living it out there. If this is the only place that we're worshiping and the only way we do it is with voice and music, we're not really worshipers. We're just sing-alongers. When we're out there serving the Lord with our life and our existence, that's how we worship, through holy attitude and through righteous living. We're worshiping God with our existence, with who we are. Then when we get here, man, it just ignites because we're verbalizing what we're doing out there, right? And I get sometimes you just, ugh. And so when you come to, to worship, it actually lifts you up and takes you to a different place. I get that. I've been there many times. But most of the time, it should be just a a celebration of what's actually going on in our world and our life. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. This, this, is, this is why I think it has become very difficult for, for many within the body of Christ in American church thinking to really know God's will because we're too intent on, on copying the behaviors and the customs of the world. I'm saying as the church, from the church leadership, this is one of the things that, that is becoming more and more, in my spirit is becoming more, I resist this more and more and more, and I used to embrace this 25 years ago, is this mentality, and I hear it constantly. Well, we need to, the church is a business, we need to operate like a business. Well, that's why, that's why we're not actually reaching God, because we're operating like a business. This is not a business. We have to do finances. We have certain rules and laws we have to go by. But those are just modern American kind of things. Okay, that, that didn't exist in most of the church's history. We've, we've got to stop acting like a business. And we've got to start acting like the body, the living, breathing body of Christ that is getting together to celebrate and worship the king. That's what we've got to do. We've got to lose all of the, this is why, this sounds like a, a side thing, but this is the reason I say this on a regular basis, is that as long as I'm pastor at church at Briargate, we will never have a local church at Briargate growth plan. A growth plan is how do we get more people in the building? How do we get more money in the building? Those kind of things. I, 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 that, I find that stuff disgusting. This isn't about that. It's about how can I serve the king and how can I stand alongside you as you serve the king and how can we be accountable to each other? How can we do? It's not about just getting more people in the building. But those are, those are measures of, of modern business thinking church mentality. Get more people in, get more money in, and then you build stuff. You say, well, didn't you just talk about the building? Yes, because we have to. It's, it's necessary. Don't throw my words back in my face. But you guys understand what I'm saying? This isn't about just putting more people in a building and having more money and stuff. 
We're the body of Christ. We're about people getting saved. Moving from the kingdom of hell to the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're about. We're about God doing supernatural things in our life because he's a supernatural God. Yes, we have to do financial stuff and we have to do business type stuff. But we've, that's what our board is for. That's what our, we are very competent, capable. That's what um, our financial guy, Russell, does. I mean, they'll take care of that stuff. And it's just a necessity that we have to get through. It's just... But it's about God's doing something in your life. Let's talk about that. Let's celebrate that. Let's see how we can talk to somebody else about Jesus. Because he wants to do something in their life. Okay? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does he do this? This is key. This is what I was talking about in 2 Corinthians 10. He does this by changing the way you think. He wants you to think differently. The Holy Spirit wants you to think differently about the Lord. He wants you to think about the Word of God. He wants you to think about prayer. And he wants you to think about faith the way that he wants you to, rather than the way the world or somebody or the church or anybody else. He wants to change the way you think. Now look at this. When you stop behaving, the custom, be, being part of the customs and behaviors of the world, when you put yourself on the altar and say, Lord, my life is sacrificed to you, my existence is yours, then you will learn to know God's will for you. You can't get there by doing it in the ways of the world. You can only get to God's will by doing it in the ways of God. Starts with his word. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Number three, God speaks to us through people. Now, I'm going to use this one. I think that's very important. I think it's necessary. I just uh, showed that in the scriptures above this a little bit, the accountability, all these different kind of things. But I want to uh, have a little bit of caution here too. <clears throat> okay. Um, Mostly God speaks to you through people by confirming something that God has already spoken to you. This is important. Not all the time, but almost all the time. God's going to confirm something to you through somebody else. The reason is because he's not just going to pull somebody from left field. He does, and I'll explain that in a second. He is not just going to pull somebody from left field to speak into your life because he primarily wants to speak to you personally. He wants to speak to you. If he has to use somebody else to speak to you because you are not listening, this is how he's going to do it. When he has to use somebody else because you are intentionally not listening or you've got things that are keeping you from listening, then that other person will speak into your life a message of repentance and conviction. Do you understand the importance of what I just said? If somebody comes to you out of left field and says, I think God told you to tell you to go be a missionary to Africa, that better be a confirmation. If that's out of left field, I think you should very strongly disregard it. Because if, if God can't speak to you personally, then what he's going to do is he's going to have somebody come to you and speak a word of conviction and repentance into your life so you can get to the point where you can hear God personally. He wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you one on one. So if he can't, he's going to have somebody come to you and say, hey, you need to get your head right, your mind right, your spirit right, your life right, because something's wrong. Then when you do that, God can speak to you. That's what I just read out of Romans 12. Does God speak to you through people? Yes, and it's almost always confirmation. God's been working, been working, been working on you, and then, you know, like you're praying that morning. This is, this is the way it has happened to me many times. You're praying that morning, you're saying something specific. God, um, I really need to know how the purple flowers are going to work in my life. Okay? And then somebody comes to you and says, you know, I was just praying for you today. I was thinking about this. Um, you know, I think, I think God wants to show you how the purple flowers are going to You're like, what? I mean, that's a confirmation, right? That's how God wants to speak through people into your life or as an accountability, conviction, repentance mentality. Okay, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God 
who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. Why? Because you're not founded on God's word. You haven't surrendered and submitted. And so it's easy to be fooled by those that are deliberately twisting the truth concerning Christ. The reason you can be fooled so easily by somebody or some group or something is because you're not on God's word, you're not tracking that way, you're not surrendering and submitting and having a life of of sacrifice yourself, holiness, righteousness to God, and so then it's easy to be tricked. And and this is one of the things, I think we just love the sensationalism, that's what tricks us. I've said this before, but guys, we've got to start really paying attention to all these these prophets online telling us stuff. When these, when these guys and girls say something that's not true, stop listening to them. Specifically big stuff that is, I'm not saying they, that somebody says, well, I think this might happen. I'm saying they're saying, God told me this is a prophecy. Listen to this. Send me money. That's usually included. Um, listen to this. Pay attention. You know, God is going to do this February 10th. Um, and, and then when February 10th rolls around and that didn't happen, stop listening to them. They're false. You're like, well, no, I didn't mean 10th. I meant um, the 100th day after 10th of February. Stop listening to them. If they're wrong, and this is the polite way. The Old Testament way was stone them to death. This is the polite way. Just stop listening. Stop paying attention. Why can't we hold people accountable for what God's word says? If they've got the gall to stand up and say God told them, they better be right. They better be right. Because God doesn't get it wrong. Right? He's right all the time. So if they're not, they're not listening to him. They're listening to somebody else or something else. Pay attention. Get in the word. Pay attention to what's happening. Colossians 3, number 4. God's peace will be the umpire. Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace that comes from God rule in your hearts. That word rule can be translated into English. The original that we translate into rule can also be translated um, into the concept of being an umpire. Okay? So in other words, let the peace that comes from Christ umpire in your hearts. Be the last word on the subject in your hearts. You're following God. You're listening. You're serving God. Your life is about Him. You're in tune with what the Lord says. Then when you're praying about something, God's peace will guide you through that process. You will just know that you know there'll be a peace in your spirit about this. Now, if you're not living for the Lord and you're doing whatever and you're making your own rules and you're your own God, then you can have peace over there too, but it's not from God. And this is where it gets a little tricky. You've got to really truly be trying to follow the Lord in this and let the word of God be the foundation. Then when the peace, uh, it is actually from God. Okay, You can have peace about a lot of things out in the world too. Right. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Last thing, prayer and fasting is the key to hearing God's voice. As this is so important, Jesus himself addresses this. But Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings and it cannot be expressed in words. This is where praying in tongues comes in line. This is so prominent through the New Testament, but there are so many parts of the church that just disregard the gifts of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. I don't understand that. I, I, I think it's, a lot of it is just because of fear and misunderstanding how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives. But he says, you're not gonna, when the Holy Spirit's praying through, you're not going to know what you're praying. But, verse 27, the Father who knows all hearts know what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. That's usually where people stop. And if you stop there, you're using it wrong. Right? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. You're surrendered to God and are called according to His purpose. As we've got to have prayer and fasting included with this. There has to be deep prayer. There has to be really seeking God. But what fasting does is it clears your mind of all the stuff. Gets rid of the voices. Right? I think, um, I think prayer and fasting is about food in Scripture a lot, mostly. But I think in today's context, we have to include social media. That you've got you to clear the table. Get rid of all the stuff. Go a week without social media. 
You'll, you'll be trembling by Tuesday afternoon. The DTs will be strong. Right? It, get rid of all social media. Nothing. Nothing. No input from anything. TV, computers, Facebook. Stuff. Just the stuff. Shut it down and spend some time praying and you'll be amazed at how God will speak to you. But you've got to get all the other stuff out. Don't conform to the things of the world. Erase the slate and say, God, I need to hear from you. Stand with me, if you will. <clears throat> I want us to pray together. I'm, I'm realizing I'm going late this morning. For some reason, since we started three services, I go later each service. I don't know how, I don't know what has happening here. But, but I want us to pray um, with you, if you would like, before we go. If you need to take off while we're praying, that's fine. Just respect what's going on up here. But, but um, I'd like I'd like to pray, have people pray with you. But if you're saying I need, I really need. I think two categories is the way I'm looking at this. I really need to hear God about this, like you need God's will about something specific, right? Um, or you're just saying, you know, it's been a while since I feel like I've heard God's voice. I just need to hear God's voice. Just, to, just I just need him to just whisper into my life. You know, that Romans 8, um, like verse 10, I think it is, where he says, the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I belong to the King. I need to hear that. I need to hear God say, you're mine. So I want to pray for us real quick, and then I'll, I'll invite you to come down. But let me, let me pray for you. God, we ask you to open our hearts with this. Lord, we need to hear you. God, I know you're speaking. I know you are. You're speaking to every person in this room. So, Lord, we need to hear you. We need to tune our ears to you. We need to tune our spirits to you. In the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord God. God, when, when we do hear your voice, help us to listen and not reject it or resist it. And Lord, help us to just do what you told us. Lord, to embrace you lifting us up, embrace you convicting us, whatever it takes. In Jesus' name. So let me give you the opportunity have somebody pray with you about this. Um, if you're saying, I need to either hear God specifically for an issue, or I just need to hear God's voice in a general sense, I'd like you to step out, come down front, just line up down along the front, and we're going to have people come and um, pray for you, pray with you, I guess really would be the right way to say it. <clears throat> I'll wait because I know it takes everybody a few minutes to get there. And when you come down front, uh, move kind of toward the front so we can get people to come stand with you. else I don't want to rush but but um, you know what's going on in your heart all right if you'd like to you can join us up here pray with some of these that are that are standing up here and guys this is this is what I think we pray God speak to them not sometime in the future but right now just speak right now God's big enough to do that he didn't have to wait he can speak to us right now so um, let's pray. If you need to take off, we get that. But uh, well, let's pray. Lord, we lift these needs up to you. God, you know what's going on in their hearts and their minds right now. You know, you know everything. So you know past, present, future. You know them more than they even know themselves. Lord, you, you, you knew them before the, the foundations of the earth. So Holy Spirit, just speak. Speak into their hearts and their minds. Show them your will. Show them your direction. Lord, they just need, they just need to hear you.
that strong voice in their spirit, that gentle whisper in their mind. Lord, they need to hear you. So God, we submit this moment, we submit them, your will, we put all of this on the altar that, that really this is you, this is about you in the name of Jesus. Because you've got the plan, you've got the, you've got the best possible for them. So just speak. And God, I pray that through this whole room that we just feel your spirit moving in our hearts and our minds. We feel your presence. It's not just in our, our thinking, but Lord, we feel this in our spirit too. That you're the king. And that I belong to the king. That you're the ruler of everything and I'm one of yours. That you created us. I'm divinely created by you. Lord, we thank you. Breathe into us, Lord Jesus, and we receive your spirit. We receive your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. God, we're your people. We so desperately need to hear your voice. So God, we pray this right now, right now that you speak and show us and lead us. Right now you give us the answer we're looking for. Right now, Lord God. Lord, I don't think that's going outside of how we're supposed to pray. Speak to us right now. In the name of Jesus. let them keep praying and um, the rest of you before noon tomorrow God's going to give you the chance to let somebody know Jesus loves them, do the best you can tell somebody about the Lord and he will honor that in your life, it's a guarantee listen to his voice pray with somebody, witness to him and uh, we will see you Wednesday afternoon, have a great rest of your nice snowy day out there. <laughs>